What is happening, party people? How are you? Woo! It is a magical Tuesday. We're getting this podcast off right. So I recorded this uh, earlier in the year with my friend Scott Hatch, who is a pastor at Thrive Austin. Can't believe uh, sometimes as uh, aggressively, as aggressive as the language can be and topics can be that he, he decided to join us, but he did. God bless him. Uh, we had a lot of fun. We did Bruce Almighty. It was interesting. I got to ask him some tough questions and he got to give some really, he gave some really good answers and some I don't knows and he was just honest and straightforward and you got to respect that. Well, you don't have to. I respect that. Uh, I hope you respect it as well. I hope you enjoy the podcast. This one was a lot of fun and we, uh, we really enjoyed ourselves. So enjoy. Let me know what you think at Talking During Movies on Instagram, Talking During Movies Podcast at gmail.com and talk during movies at Twitter. All right, enjoy. Oh, and let's listen to those funky tunes that Bobby Cheatham and the boys put out for us. Folks, we are live to me at the Not Secret Studio, at Not Dirty Bills, at Not Other Places, outside in Austin, Texas, December 18th. Who would have thought, and joining me uh, for, wow, and God bless him for doing this, uh, Scott Hatch, <laughs> trainer, basketball player, dad, and the reason he's here also, minister, pastor, what do you prefer? Uh, I prefer Reverend. Actually. Reverend, no, just, uh, pastor is fine. Pastor, pastor is fine. Mm-hmm. All right. So, and you are. I mean, I go to your church, Thrive Austin. Yes. It's what's the URL for that? Uh, www.thriveaustin.church. Perfect. Yeah. And you guys do a good job. You do a lot of uh, giving back. One of the things that I really enjoy about what you guys do. Uh, you know, so we are uh, real quick today, folks. We're doing a Bruce Almighty, and let me uh, cue you guys in on the time here. Uh, one second. This is so professional, Scott. Like, are you sure you've done this before? I have. <laughs> Just rarely do it on the. So we're uh, a minute and forty in. A minute and forty in. We've got it. He's got the hairnet on. Uh, I guess the first question. So, so one, we're doing this, and the reason you're here, and the ticky-tacking—that's my dog walking around the background again. You guys love banjo. <laughs> Might bark every once in a while. Banjo is awesome. He is awesome. Uh, so, a couple of reasons why I want to do this. There's always questions I have, and I think a lot of people have questions, and not, and I, I think it's past the basic ones that sometimes church assumes. A, and then B also. Uh, there's some fun things that happen in this movie that are just that. 
that everyone's like, man, when he answers everyone's prayers and the world goes into chaos, right? right? We got to kind of dive into that and then and then a couple other random things. And then, you know, it's, once again, this is not a, you know, I, I told you um, over text, right? This, you know, this is just a conversation. So be like, yeah, man, I don't know. I don't sure. know. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's not a big deal. There's, there's no one holding anyone's feet to the fire for sure on any of this. But uh, one of the key moments here is, you know, Jim Carrey gets introduced to God, if you will, and, and kind of takes over the reins. How was, how do you explain your introduction to God? When I first met God, you mean? Yeah. Okay. Not yeah. necessarily the minister side of things, but really when when you got when it went from yeah I'll go to church to you know I I, I like I like what's going on here. Yeah, <laughs> I'm interested. Yeah, a little more. that's a great question, man. So like for me, I'm probably not like most pastors. I uh, was not voted most likely to go into ministry as a kid. Like I did not even go to church for the first twenty years of my life. Um, wrestled a little bit with an addiction and, uh, long story short, church was kind of the last house on the block for me. And, um, a friend of mine just told me, he was like, Hey man, you want to get fit? You go to the gym. Uh, if you want to get clean from drugs and alcohol, you go to like Alcoholics Anonymous. If you want to find out about God, you go to church. So I figured, okay, that seems like a good place to explore God. So went to church and um you know met some really awesome people some really kind loving people and uh just was seeking god and i can't really explain it in any other terms than like it was a supernatural experience that i had um i literally uh could feel the presence of god i went on a retreat and we were talking about the holy spirit and being filled with the holy spirit they asked if anybody wanted to be filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and I said, sure, I'm all the way out here in the middle of nowhere. Why not? And they prayed for me. And I just felt this powerful experience of God just entering into my body. And I don't know any other way to describe it other than just a, a supernatural experience where I knew that I knew that I knew that God was real. Do you think, and I, and I guess and maybe this is my bias and my past coming in a little bit. By the way, take a sip of that. You drink the big red. This man, ladies and gentlemen, yeah. five percent body fat, <clears throat> trains people, does a spin class, <laughs> plays basketball. Just I look at that big red, my jeans get a little bit tighter. <laughs> I love big red, man. That is my jam. That's your jam. Uh, so and maybe this is my bias sneaking in. But it almost seems like you are fortunate in the fact that you had twenty years without knowing God. So you had you had twenty years without the church having an opportunity to mess things up consistently. Cause I, I look back at my relationships and I think about the church and, and what happened or, or didn't happen. Right. I'm like, okay, yeah. You know, um, let me down at a young age, let me down in middle school, let me down in, in high school, let me down in college. And you know, you just, you think what, well, you know, and I was raised in it. I mean, my mom, I remember my mom standing up around my first stepdad, walking around him while he was laying on the bed and trying to watch golf and just walking around the bed and standing up around him saying, you're going to go to hell, come to church with me. You're going to go to hell, come to church with me. And I was like, I don't think that's going to win him over. But <laughs> I, I'm just wow. eight. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm, right. just, I'm, just, I'm right, just over right. here hoping that we get pizza after this. That's all wow, I care about. Yeah. yeah. So it was, it's, a, it's an interesting thing. And I do find it... Um, as the people around you are more mature and as 
maybe our our brains are more mature in some ways that uh, that later on in life church seems easier and better because we're more adept to ask the tough questions and give the honest answers or it's like I read a little thing to my daughter last night because I want to read this Bible thing I said sure Jesus turned water into grape juice and it's like well, I, can't, I can't say why like, wow yeah, <laughs> just, right does that make sense it's yeah. a weird thing. Yeah. And, and I guess, you know, that leads to my other question, which is why, in your experience, where do you see where the church sometimes hides things? And why? Why is it ne- Why do they think it's necessary, I guess? Why are they building fences on fences? Like, this is bad, but if we say this is bad, then you don't get to this bad. But if we say this, and it, it's a layer all of a sudden, it's like, God didn't ask for those layers, from what I understand. Right. He kind of laid right, things right, out. Right. No, that's that's a great question. Um, you know, I think that in years past, um, the church has always felt a pressure to have a black a black and white answer to every question that comes its way, and a need to have like a really strong, you know, stance on pretty much every subject and every argument that's that's raised against it. And uh, you know, I think uh, the church has gotten itself into trouble with that a little bit because. Um, there are a lot of questions that culture asks today that the Bible wasn't really ever intended to address. Yeah. For instance, like, please, how many, like, how many exactly, how many days did it take for the world to be created? Now, the Bible is clear that it was it was seven days, but the question is, was it seven literal twenty-four hour days in the way that we measure a day today? Or could a day mean something different to a first century or or earlier than first century ancient Near Eastern mind, you know? Um, And so today, in order to try to prove the age of the earth, for example, many Christians have tried to say, well, the earth is only, what, four, six thousand years old or something based on the Bible because it says that the earth was created in, you know, seven days or six days and then the Lord rested. Um. So, uh, you know, I, I would argue that the Bible really never was trying to give us an exact age of the earth. That's not the intent of the Bible or the book of Genesis, but that instead Genesis is to tell us an origin story, a story that God created the universe out of nothing. How that happened, how long ago that happened, I don't think it's the intent of the authors of Scripture to address that question, really. Whereas Modern science is really interested in, in exactly how old the earth is. And so, um, you know, many see the, the two as being in opposition to one another. But I think nowadays there's a little more willingness among Christians and Christian leaders and even professors and seminaries to embrace some of the mysteries and some of the interesting paradoxes of the Christian faith instead of trying to provide a hard black and white explanation or, or argument Makes for sense. one position of the, or the other. There's a little more willingness to embrace the unknown mm-hmm. and to say we're okay with some unknowns. You know what I mean? And, and we, don't have to, we don't have to try to come up with some really lame argument to you know, somehow explain the unknowns. We can just say there are things that we don't know. You know what I mean? And that's yeah. and it's okay to do that. Absolutely. You know, 100%. and I think that that's much people respect that 
a lot more than trying to come up with some lame answer that really doesn't make sense and that doesn't hold up in, you know, a real debate or argument. And I think that also that that aligns with a lot of the ways that professionals and industries do communicate to us. They say, we don't know, but I'm looking for it. I'm trying to find that answer. Right. I'm continually studying for 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 that answer. Uh, yeah. And, and yeah. It's a it, it's a more plausible than uh, you know it's it, it's like every every origin story also has a flood story, right? Right. right, right. And, and yeah. so yeah. But what was planet Earth at the time? If you believe that Christopher Columbus sailed the blue in 1492 and mm-hmm. and, and 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 found some people that didn't know existed before, then if you just lived in the Tigris Euphrates Valley and that flooded, is that planet Earth to you? Right. Like with perspective. Yeah. I mean, sure. I've always thought that you should probably have a doctorate in history and yeah. culture, or at least be willing to go down that road before you preach on the Bible, yeah. because the literal sense of a lot of things that are said, right? The words mean something different back then than they do today. I mean, God hang out with Definitely. women and kids, right? Like, yeah, Jesus liked women and kids. Nice guy. Eh, okay. You know, true, but also <laughs> kids were a burden until they could work. Right. Right. So they weren't typically like, you know, they didn't just hang out no. my mom. They was, didn't have opinions. They Their didn't. opinions didn't matter. <laughs> right. Nothing mattered. You know? And women's opinions didn't matter. They were like it, property. They were like property. And yeah. in fact, if you were a Jew and she was a Palestinian or something else, you weren't supposed to talk or hang out. So it was really remarkable on a different level of, of, of what he was trying to do or what he did do and, and, and accomplish in, in spending time in those different circles. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, it was it was so countercultural the way that he treated uh, women and children alike. Yeah, it was. And, and unless you have some idea of context, um, you really maybe don't grasp just the implications of just those simple acts like welcoming children to come hear him teach or, you know, inviting women to be a part of his inner circle. Yeah. Or the fact of the guys who he chose to be his disciples. Right. I mean, I, I had it explained to me this way, and I'd like to get your 10 cents on this because I've repeated this a lot. So I yeah, could yeah. be repeating it yeah. wrong. Right? <laughs> right. I really liked it. So I, yeah. And I don't do a lot of homework sometimes. <laughs> like, no, that sounds fantastic. Let's run with it. Yeah. So I said, traditionally speaking, the uh, the apostles of, of, a, of, a, of a priest, of, a, you know, of someone that was like Jesus, that people saw like Jesus at the time. Right. They were like professional athletes. They could pull out anything from the scripture forwards backwards torah just know it inside and out mm-hmm. they uh, they were they were so close to to their to their master their the person they worshiped from that or not worshiped from but but followed that they got the dust of his garment on theirs when he right. went to the restroom they went to, they were just they were on point together right and Jesus took the great school basketball team and he's like, you guys come with me. We're going to spread the gospel. <laughs> you know, not yeah. all the training, not all the smarts. Right. Not all the discipline. Yeah, absolutely. It, and it's a weird thing because it makes me want I had a conversation with my friend about this, uh, who's, who's another pastor down in Southern California, uh, Reverend Sarah Heath. And she and I are talking and I, and I said, I, I'm a little bit always torn by the rhetoric of, you're broken, and then God's going to find you and, and fix you. And I don't. And, and I think part of it is because of this. Because every time I watch that series on HBO, Pimps Up, Hose Down, 
every guy that wanted to make sure his woman was in her place was like, you're beautiful, but I can make you better. You were ugly. No one wanted you. No one found you, appreciated you. And look what I've already done for you. So don't go on to better things. Stay with me. And I don't know. I have a hard time wrapping my brain around the fact of, is that A, that manipulating the word that's in the scripture, or is that just a manipulation that's just changed positioning? And instead of focusing, and I know we focus a lot on the brokenness of, of who we are, but I wonder why there's not, and, and, a, and a focus also on the love aspect. But I, I wonder, as humanity intermingled that into a, a breaking of, of its component to where, or am I seeing it completely wrong? Which is okay, fine, I really don't care. I mean, if I'm seeing it wrong, I'm seeing it wrong. <laughs> no, I think, I mean, I think absolutely, definitely woven into the whole fabric of Christianity and following Jesus is a, uh, a brokenness and then a humble reliance upon God mm -hmm. forever, right? It, yeah. It's like um, he finds us in that broken place. Um, he places his spirit inside of us. A transformation begins to take place, and that transformation is for a lifetime. But regardless of, you know, how far along in the process we are or we get to be, there's never a time this side of, you know, heaven yeah. <laughs> to where we are not becoming like Christ and therefore still in need of him. Okay. You know what I mean? And yeah. still reliant upon him. Um, I don't think that I don't think God is like needy in that sense for our love like he he's not like you know i need you to need me type of thing kind of like where you know in the example you used of a pimp's up hose down you yeah. know <laughs> like uh like that that pimp needs her around and he needs her to need him in order to bring about his gain right okay yeah and so that's where i would say you know god god desires eagerly a relationship with us but his desire for a relationship with us, it's for our good, mm -hmm. um, not his necessarily. Yeah. Okay. If that makes sense. No, that uh, makes sense. Yeah. I so, like that. Yeah. And so, <clears throat> but that, that reliance, it, it never really changes no matter what level of healing or transformation takes place in a person, how unbroken they become in the sense of, you know, they're better, they're healed, they're recovered, or whatever the case may be, there's still always a, a reliance and a need for God, right? Okay, yeah, I'd say I see that. I like that. Thank you. I like that. That makes a little more sense in my head now. One other thing, and uh, it seems like, uh, especially in the news over the last, let's go, couple of years, uh, privileged, privileged white men, you know, all of a sudden people are looking at history going, oh, you guys, you kind of lied. <laughs> privileged white men really wrote history and kind of lied. And even in recent years, privileged white men took advantage of privileged white man power to manipulate and abuse and use and, and take advantage of people. And I wonder, in, in your opinion, in, in looking at, if you look back at the history of you know, like the Council of Nicaea, deciding what books go in and what go out, mm -hmm. they were privileged white men or Italian or English, you know, if you look at the King James Version, right? That's just the king trying to piss the Pope off by saying, hey, here's my version of the book so everyone can read it. Nana, nana, boo-boo, stick your head in doo-doo. Mm -hmm. Have a good day. Where, 
And it maybe goes back to also the what do you take literally, what do you don't. But mm -hmm. in understanding history and, and how things were have been pieced together and, and where pieces are missing and how much do you rely on the Bible versus how much do you rely on your relationship with God that guides you as you read the Bible? Because I think, you know, I think there's a disconnect there sometimes, you know, and I've heard it where, and I, you know, people, it used to be when I was a kid growing up in the eighties, man, it was, if the Bible said exactly these words, it's true. Might have to cut your eye out, champ. You know, <laughs> right. Don't get it wrong. Absolutely. So, I mean, kind of wrapped up in the whole biblical fundamentalism type of worldview or, or um, interpretation of scripture, you would absolutely say that if it says it, then we do it, you know, and that would be the way you interpret the Bible, the way you interpret culture, the way you interpret how to live your life uh, would be if the Bible says it, then absolutely that's what it is. And um, I would say, you know, if you take all of those different interpretive elements into how you um, just do faith, uh, mm -hmm. you've got reason, you've got your experience, you've got scripture, and then you have tradition. Let's say those are probably the four biggest elements that go into how you do Christianity, right? Um, evangelicals would typically say that scripture is the number one and most important uh, key in that whole uh, puzzle. Yep. Uh, I would argue that they're all very, very important. And I would say, you know, our experience is absolutely essential when it comes to how we do our faith, because you have to remember the early Christians didn't have the Bible. So as we know it, you know what I mean? And so, uh, as you mentioned, it wasn't until much later that the canon was actually formed. Um, at that point in time, I mean, for somebody to have all of the letters of the New Testament in one you know, packaged form would have been extremely rare uh, for a number of reasons before the printing press. Uh, it was very difficult to make paper. It was difficult to make letters. And so to have an actual whole Bible would have been incredibly rare for, you know, a large portion of the church's early history. And so, um, you know, these people were having experiences with God that was passed down to them through the traditions of their church um, and the preaching of their church. And it was also, you know, supported by the scriptures that they had read. Um, you know, in our modern time, the Bible has kind of been elevated, especially among evangelicalism. And I'm an evangelical and I believe in the Bible <laughs> and I believe in the power of the Bible. So don't get me wrong. Yeah. Uh, I just think that, um, you know, when it comes to the scriptures, uh, it's important for us to understand context and history in order to truly get an accurate interpretation of what the Bible is saying. And experience is essential in that equation as well. Um, because you look at the early followers, they were having experiences with God. Um, and in many cases, um, they were later turning to the scriptures in order to understand what these experiences were that they were having. Okay. And that was my experience. Because yeah. like I said... I didn't grow up in the church. I had no foundation. All I knew was that I had an experience with God mm -hmm. that changed me. And then it was after that that I turned to the scriptures to try to understand what God was already doing in my life. And for many of the early church, it was, this, it was the same thing. Now, some had grown up in a Jewish context and they knew the scriptures backwards and forwards. 
So they understood that their experience with God was really just the culmination of what they already knew from the Old Testament scriptures. But for many who had no paradigm or no understanding whatsoever, um, they were experiencing God first and then turning to the scriptures to find explanation and understanding. Where do you, as, as, as a dad, right? I'll bring it back to the movie here, right? So Jim Carrey is, is grown up. He's lost his job. He's feeling lost. He's, he's crying out for, for God in some way, right? Is there a part of you that, as, as a dad being protective of, of your kids, do you go, I need him to have this experience so they know humility and reliance? Or do you hope that you've created a, a world and an environment and a relationship uh, with God that they can emulate and watch that maybe they don't go through that? That's a terrific question. I mean, that's a terrific uh, that's question. That's my third terrific question, folks. So <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. It. Man, that is, a, that is a really great question. And I mean, I, I guess I would have to answer that it would, it would be the second option, really. I mean, because... I think it, those are two paths to God, right? Yeah. One of them includes a ton of pain and a ton of heartache, mm -hmm. right? And desperation. Yep. And um, that path can lead you to God. You know, it, it also cannot, it can also not lead you to God. Um, because certainly uh, I've experienced a lot of people over the course of my life who've been desperate and in difficult situations and at breaking points and in points of crying out who for whatever reason, uh, never found their way to God. Um, <clears throat> um, so, you know, if both paths are going to ultimately lead to God, I guess as a father, I naturally would say the path, you know, that, that avoids the heartbreak, the heartache, you know, maybe as a, as a parent who wants to protect his children, uh, if, if both paths are ultimately leading to you know, a, a, a real relationship with God. Yeah. Um, I, I would say that. Uh, but we've also all heard the stories of people who grew up in church and, you know, you know, and, and that path didn't lead them to God. In <laughs> fact, it, it led them away from them. And we've heard of pastor's kids, you know, that, yeah. you know, they see the inner workings of what church life is kind of like. And in many cases, in some cases, they, 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 they love it and they feel called to it. In other cases, it turns them away from it. And so... What do you uh, think that is that turns them away from it? Is that uh, is is that honest? I mean, because I don't hear about it as much. Well, I shouldn't say that. I should say missionary kids that come to America. I hear about it, but missionary kids that are missionary kids in the countries where they're at, you don't hear about it as much. And maybe it's just a, a thing. But I, I presume in my mind, it's more of an American. It seems like it's it's very funny to me. America. Land of the free, home of the brave, be an entrepreneur, do whatever you want, go out and get it. It's your world to take. Come on, man. Build you, pick yourself up by the bootstraps. You do you, boo, whatever. Mm -hmm. Nothing about that resonates with the Bible of you being yourself, being an individual, taking the world on by, you know, and if someone knocks you down, you get yourself back up again. There's not a part of that right. that is... That, that I can look at in the scripture and go, yeah, God told me to be, he created me as an individual, but I'm part of a group. And I need to know my place in how I fit in this orchestration because God's got a plan for me. Whereas the American dream is go make your own plan. Go do you. 
Right. Does that lead to tying this back? Does that lead to pastors' kids being, you know, seeing the path and and then looking down the street and seeing the Mercedes and seeing the big house and hearing the American dream in school, but hearing God's plan in church and just being like, no offense, God, uh, your party's not as fun. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, yeah. it's the age old thing where Joe Rogan says it. When people go out and pick at him, he's like, man, hell's going to be full of a lot of fun people. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. No, I think that absolutely does play a part because children oftentimes have heard many, many stories. You know, every kid is different for one, but but I have heard many stories of children who grew up and they experienced a life of sacrifice, which is usually the life of a minister. Um, and they get... 18 years of that and at the end of it they're like I'm never gonna live that way and I'm not gonna subject my children to that sort of living and so they they take it as a as sort of a, a motivation to go and to, to make a good career that's going to pay off uh, to live a more comfortable lifestyle I have seen that uh, many times usually when a when a child who's a pastor's kid falls away from the faith, the stories that I hear over and over again are usually that what was taking place in the home was not what was taking place on Sunday mornings. And so what happens is they begin to see a, a disconnect between what is preached and what is practiced. And I think that that's not just for pastors' families. That's for, you know, any Christian household, you know, that that, that regularly participates in church life and that certainly is in the in the in the spotlight in any way or as leaders in the church um, for children growing up if they sense a disconnect between Sunday life and the rest of life um, you know I think that that's problematic for for children and I think that 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 happens a lot and I hear a lot of stories about that I would say hypocrisy is probably the number one reason that that I've heard and I think even studies have been done on it. Um, and the second one would just be um, kind of the judgmentalism um, or that surrounds the church. And, you know, uh, it's, it's times are different, you know, yeah. even, even simply just my generation from the generation that my children are being raised in. And uh, and then certainly my parents generation was a totally different generation from the one I was raised in. And, um, you know, um, it's our responsibility to continue to, to push forward with love and mercy and compassion uh, to all people and um, truly try to emulate the message that Jesus left us with. So it's a, it's a, it's a tough role. And I mean, one that I don't, you know, I don't envy that, that you have 100%. And you think about that when you talk about the church, like I, I think about that and that, and that's a struggle with me of, and has always been a struggle with me, especially since having my daughter, is because I struggle so much with the Bible, the reckoning of certain things, the way that I think I gave you this analogy, uh, this point when we had, we had lunch a while back. And I was like, it's amazing. I can miss, I can go to a church for a while, miss it, and no one says boo, no one reaches out. I haven't been to Mutt Lynch's, a bar down in Newport Beach, in six years, once a month. Mike reaches out to me and asks how I'm doing, asks how my daughter's doing, asks how Austin, Texas is doing, asks when I'm coming back there, can he buy me a beer? <laughs> and I, I find it interesting that a group of change that's called so hard 
to find relationships is so bad at relationships. And I'm one of them. That's the, that's the, that's the other thing. It's, like, it's not like I'm, I'm innocent in this in any way, shape, or form. I'm, I'm, part of the, I'm part of the problem. And I'm also part of that person that is, is questioning things all the time. And I, did, I felt bad at a podcast on um, Evan Almighty and Noah's Ark. And I did it by myself. And I was just talking about things out loud and, you know, crazy stories in the Bible that are in there. And I don't understand why certain books are left out, but certain stories are left in. It doesn't make sense to me. And culturally, right. maybe at the time, it made perfect sense. But for me reading and for anyone else reading, it didn't make a lot of sense at, at all. And uh, I get fired up and sometimes I have a bad mouth. And this poor kid, like all of a sudden I saw three different church groups that are on SoundCloud see you know religion and god and bible and they just downloaded the podcast and then i got an email they're like hey man <laughs> that's not what we thought it was going to be like the noah's ark that's not the story <laughs> like, that's not but it's the epicenter of the story for me which we've touched on a little bit which is why things are hard to follow you know why some people put a stake in the ground on was it just adam and eve or did God create other people and we just aren't a part of that? Uh, with the flood, with Noah, you know, uh, with Lot and his daughters, they got a lot of weird things going on. Yeah, you know, and, definitely. And, and we, we, we like to throw stones at a lot of those things when they happen out in society. But when you bring them up in the Bible, it's like, well, that's what happened. And, yeah. and so I raise my hand. I'm like, this is crazy. And sometimes it gets so fired up. I'm like, this is batshit crazy. I'm losing my mind. What is going on? And in all of that, it struggles me when, you know, and that's why I like Thrive so much because I can talk about this stuff. But mm -hmm. past mm -hmm. in churches, yeah. you don't bring this You're up. You're not allowed to talk about that. You're not yeah. allowed to talk about it. And so then to emulate what's going on at home, what's going on in church, you know, it's like I was we're talking to a mutual friend of ours. And she goes, hey, you don't sing a lot in church. And in fact, you leave during the last song. And I'm like, 100% I do. She's like, why? See, my understanding, songs are prayers. Those are those are reverences to the Lord and you're saying this is what I'm going to do and I'm, and I'm putting it in this form to really really praise you yeah I hear those words and I've studied words and and, and rhetoric and style for 23 years I'm like if you take those to heart you're not doing those you're lying to God so if you say I'm going to praise you and thank you and love you all day long and you're not how serious does God take the rest of your prayers because mm -hmm. I don't know so I would rather listen, enjoy, and, and, and bring those thoughts into my mind and go, hey, I'm going to work on this <laughs> and really be honest. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I'd yeah. rather have the conversation in my brain. Right. God, I, I'm going to try this. Yeah. You, I think we both know I'm going to mess up later on today, absolutely. but I'm going to give it my best shot. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, I and I have <laughs> the same. I mean, certainly we don't want to create liars out of people just so for you. Like sing the song no matter what. If you don't believe it, it doesn't sing it anyway. No. You know, and even even myself, I mean, often myself, as we're singing a song, we'll be we'll be saying something like, uh, you know, the song, I surrender it all to you, Jesus. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. And there are times where I'm like, I'm, I'm singing that and I can get like halfway through it. And I'm like, wait, but but I'm having a hard time surrendering this or I'm having a hard time surrendering that. And um, often I'm, I have to pause in the middle of a song and just. Sometimes in that moment, repent, and and if it is a matter of surrender, surrender. Mm -hmm. um, and, and those moments can be holy moments sometimes where I'm, um, I come into a profound awareness of an area that maybe uh, the Holy Spirit is trying to grow me in, 
Um, but there are, uh, there have been many times where I've just said like during a song, I'm not ready for that. Or yeah. I'm in a place right now where that's not my, I'm not there. I'm not going to just sit here and say, you know, um, everything's great Lord, or I'm so grateful because right now things are not, I'm not feeling, <laughs> I'm not really, I'm not that grateful. Um, and that's not really the condition of my heart. Um, and, and, and there have been many, many times where I've done that. And uh, there've also been times where I've sang songs where I didn't totally feel it at that moment, but, but where I've kind of sang them with the attitude and the heart of this is where I want to be and this is where I want to go. Makes sense. You know, um, but uh, we would never want anybody to sing a song that they don't believe what they're saying or, you know, we don't want to turn people into liars in the songs that we <laughs> sing, you know what I mean? Like, def just for the sake of getting people singing, you know? Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. I have one, um, one other uh, tough thing and then some, some fun here for sure, but uh, okay. as, as we're nerding out a little bit. But, yeah. Um, so... I, I always, I always find this interesting. I'd love your insight on it. Every time I've read in the Bible about, about uh, giving, about, you know, and, and I think I sent you the podcast from Mike here, right? Where he's like, yeah, in the Old Testament, it was 10%. In the New Testament, it's it's everything. Right. So right. be careful yeah, when I say don't right. get 10%. He's yeah, like, yeah. yeah, you guys got off on 10%. But I also, in those moments, there's always a celebration, right? It's a celebration. It's an honor. And it's this, it's this growing thing. And yet, and I said this to one of my friends on, on a previous podcast. I was like, most of the time when I hear about the offering, it's like, hey, uh, welcome. If you're new here, you have to give. And it's, it's a very, it's a somber moment of like, hey, yeah. you know, I, I, I know it's, yeah, listen, this is the tough one. Versus, <laughs> where's Brandon in the guitar kicking it all, you know, walking out, acoustic, yeah, yeah. being like, we're going to give. You know, yeah, people, right? and, and people are clapping, like, why am I clapping? I'm gonna. I'm, I'm giving. That's I'm giving. good. Yeah. So we're out. We're, let's party. I think that's a great idea. Actually, maybe that's what we need to do. I just don't. I just. I mean, because I've always. <laughs> I've always read it as celebration. Yeah. As a celebratory thing. It but is. It's always, especially even in the most evangelical churches. Yeah. It's like music, music, music. Hold on a second. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. It hits the brakes. Right. Yeah. You know, and it's so, I don't know. It's just a thought that I've had. And I was just, I mean. Yeah, no, man. I mean, I think there's definitely something to that. Like, why, why is it, why isn't it more celebratory? You know, why isn't it like a celebration? Because that's really, you know, it's our opportunity. It's not our duty, you know. Um, in the Old Testament, they had a duty to give for us. It's, it's what we do out of the just gratefulness of our hearts, you know, for yeah. what Christ has done. And, um, I like that. I like that. I think it's because, you know, in church, there's kind of a common perception that the two things that, that nobody likes to talk about are basically uh, sex and money, you know? True. And so anytime that you approach... And the, and the hip pastor is trying to mix them together. Like, we're going right. to do sex and be like, oh, I'm sorry, what? And money series? At the oh, same time. Yeah, on. we're going to talk about sex and money. Um, so... You know, I think that that's why there's always kind of a tiptoeing, but we try to really avoid that. We try to make it as laid back and normal as possible. But yeah, there is there is a little bit of that. Um, so, yeah, but I like the idea though. I like the idea. <laughs> I think that sounds 
Well, I think that sounds great. We should try that out. Try it out. Brian's got this. He's got the chops. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll talk to him about that. Come up with a with a with a fun thing, a fun little riff, right? Everybody can just kind of run up to the front with their yeah, or just or do, you know they're just passing it around as they're clapping and dancing around a little bit, enjoying yeah. their cookie and coffee. That sounds that's, great. That, by the way, that's the one thing I love about the new church. Right? Okay. I, mean, I love the new church coffee. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I used to have to sneak coffee in. Right. Because there, there was no food or drink allowed, you know, back in the day. And, yeah. And now, Especially in the sanctuary. Area. Oh, yeah. No. Right. I mean, you, you spill that grape juice? Yeah. The blood of the Lord? Right. Mm. On the stay carpet? After, on the carpet? You're going to stay clean. <laughs> okay. Stick around. Right. There's some great... Uh, no, it, it's a... Uh, it's... Uh, that, that's, that's what I... So, it, the fun part about all of this is that, that I see, in, in, you know, in, in my humble opinion, is is the questions that come up is that in this society where I think Steve Taylor said it best, you're so open, open minded that your brain leaked out. Right. Mm-hmm. That that you're in, you get to play this beautiful role of ask me anything, but also understand I'm going to give you answers. Right. Or, I, or we're going to look for it together. Right. right? I, I, my buddy Mike, once again, he said it really well. He said, I'd get upset when people, if I wasn't preaching at a certain, and you know, another pastor came up, they would complain or say, he's not engaging enough, or he didn't, he's not as exciting, or he's not as eloquent of a speaker as you are. And right. it's like, I'm here to whet your appetite. So then you go feed. If someone's lying, it's a problem. If someone's being deceptive or talking down or misrepresenting the Bible problem. If they're giving information and you just don't like to delivery, your problem. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> right. You know, right. And, and I love that, but I, but I love that attitude of the new church. Like, yeah. and, I, and I keep calling it the new church because I just believe there is a, a new change in, in meeting people where they're at. Right. And not being judgmental about it. A, and then B, expecting people to do more because of the opportunities that are in front of us that weren't there 10 years ago, even five years ago. Whether that's checking on Facebook, right. you know, for, for giving back or, or uh, engaging in a football game or a, or a potluck or, right. you know, enjoying a cup of coffee and saying hi to someone and, and, and getting to know them in a, in a different way than that. All right, turns out your neighbor. All right, eyes front. Stop now. You know it's there's. Right. It seems you know that's. It seems like there's a there's a different attitude in the church. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'm I'm glad to hear that, and I'm excited about that. You know, where do you where do you see it going from here? Like, what's 2019? What what do you think the fun things are for you in 2019? And what are a couple of things in 2019 that uh, that might give you pause? Uh, as far as the church? Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I'm just like really pumped up with the team that we have at Thrive. I mean, I think we've got a really, really good core team of leaders that help put things together each and every week. And we're all like family. We're really close. We're friends. Um, and in some churches you don't see that it's like coworkers and we're not coworkers. We're, we're family. And Um, That's a really, really awesome foundation. And, you know, there's a lot of really cool families that are a part of our community. And so it's a really, really encouraging thing. Um, You know, I would say in this upcoming year, I would like to see us build upon that. 
okay. and learn to um, expand the community and that family feel that we have in our church to many other people. And mm-hmm. then more and more people would experience that. They would come to know that um, and would, would multiply that, you know, in our, in our local Southwest Austin area. What does it, what's it like, uh, especially as, as a church pastor, having, uh, and, you know, because I just don't see it a lot, right? Having a, a vocal, hip, marketing wife, it's just corralling people. <laughs> <laughs> she yeah. does. Yeah, she's, she's greeting good. people. She's good, she's man. Good. She's yeah, grabbing she babies. I know, right? I know. Yeah, she's, she's awesome. No, Sarah, she really is amazing. And and you know, like that's one of the number one thing that they tell a plant a church planner before they go out is like, it's gotta be both of you. Like it can't just be the husband's call to this. It's gotta be husband and wife both called to this. And that's the great thing about Sarah is, um, you know, she she gets it that this isn't Scott's church. This isn't like Scott's thing that he does for a job. This is this is our calling, and Scott's not the church planner. Like our whole family is the part of the church planners. Like <laughs> Sarah's a church planner, Braden's a church planner, Tatum's a church planner, Charlie's a church planner. Like Tatum's also a hairdresser and a hairdresser, <laughs> right? <laughs> So, I mean, the whole family, we are, we're all in, you know what I mean? And um, Sarah's great. Um, and she's just so terrific. And yeah. I mean, she wanted, you know, I was having a conversation with her, right? She's like, give it, give it four or five. I forget what the number was. She's like, yeah. give it four or five. And just, yeah. And you she showed me about that. Challenge, yeah. right? It's like, here's your challenge. Just knowing that I would take <laughs> it just because I'm such a competitive person. I'm like, I'm in. That's fine. You, what? I'll do it. You know, she's like, of course you will, knucklehead. Of course you will. <laughs> Competitive meathead. Listen, got your number. <laughs> Bam. Win. Yes. Put it in the column. But also doesn't, as you know, as I've seen more people fill the seats. And I, by the way, to everyone out there who keeps liking my check-ins, I don't know why you're liking my check-ins. I don't know if you're like, I can't believe Jason goes to church. I'm going to like that. <laughs> or if you're really proud of me. Or if you're just like, that. Oh, good job. But I'm, I'm watching, folks. I'm watching. Don't know how I feel about it. Get some friends liking it a little too much. But uh, I do um, I do find it interesting that I'm seeing more seats getting filled that uh, neither of you and some of the other people around you, right, that I just watch, I don't know their names, haven't lost that energy, haven't lost that small town, I'll just as an analogy, small town feel right. as it's growing. Yeah, you know, there's a little more walking around. There might be a little less hangout time and long conversation, right? But there's still twice as much energy being poured out now to accommodate, which is which is pretty fascinating because usually it's like, oh, we got to this number, kick the feet up, Woo, right. job well right. done. Yeah, we're gonna let these two people take that over now. I don't have to do that anymore, <laughs> right? Because right, it right. doesn't seem like a job to you guys. Yeah, it's a passion. It really is. Um, you know, for the last three years since we started the church, like it, it has genuinely been a passion and, and fun for, for me. And every Sunday that I get up, it's an opportunity that I have to preach. And um, I, I, it's such an honor to me, the people that would come and give me their time and give me their attention. Um, I don't take that for granted. And um I just uh, I'm passionate about it. I enjoy it. It's yeah. fun. So uh, in the in the world of 
if you know opportunities arise, right? God comes down as Morgan Freeman. <laughs> I'm, I'll give you mine yeah, first. Right. But you get to ask a couple of questions. You know, what are you asking? I'm letting them know right now. I'm asking one. Thanks. Why are we doing teeth this way? I'm afraid of the dentist. <laughs> there's there's a whole rationale for this, right? It's not like I'm just being weird. I'm terrified of the dentist. I'm like, so we get like six years of teeth, and then we get 90 years of teeth. Like this is not. <laughs> were we meant to die at 12? That's fine if we were. <laughs> That's okay. I don't like the teeth scenario. Not saying you messed up, just saying what happened in the cycle of things that messed up the teeth scenario. Gotcha. A. Yeah. And then B, uh, and it, it goes to one of the crazy things that happens here in the movie in just a minute. Uh, you know, where where are we on the prayer thing? Well, on, on the answering of prayers, right? So it's, you know, it's, that's always a weird thing, right? And, and I, there's not a, a good or a bad I don't think there's there's a, there's an answer to it, right? But uh, that's one of the questions I would, I'd like to ask. It's like, hey, fun time because I don't like dentists. What's the teeth? B. What's the prayer thing? Because I don't get it. I just don't don't understand. Uh, it doesn't make any sense. But once again, I'm not seeing the full picture. I don't have the thirty thousand foot view that God has. Right. I've got my view, my worldview, which right. I try to make as big as possible, and, right. and still don't get it. So those are my two. Um, what are you asking God? What are a couple of questions you're asking God? Pops down here. You know, one of the one of the things that I've never really found a satisfactory answer to is is a lot of the um, violence in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Honestly, you know, a lot of those texts, and I know all the good theological answers, and you know, I even know the theological answers that are definitely more progressive, but that still align with you know good. Uh, evangelical interpretations, and I and I and I and I understand to a certain extent, but but then there's a huge extent that I just don't, and I'm just like, how, you know, there had to be a different way, you know. It's kind of like, you know, and I know that that's a lot of my humanity, and perhaps a little bit of an anthropomorphism of my own upon God. And again, as you mentioned, He sees the bigger picture. I don't. His ways are higher than my ways, but. I can't help but look at it and just think, really? Like, you know, uh, but again, it's not a, it's not a faith shaking, shattering sort of thing for me anymore. Whereas at one point it may have been, but I think that's a big thing. It's like, God, you know, why, why that, um, and then honestly, like, you're looking at him going, Hey God, by the way, in ruling this. What was it like having Captain Caveman worship you? I'm super curious. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm sorry. And I'm yeah. Honestly. No, I mean, yeah. And and then I guess, you know, it's, I would just, I, I mean, it's interesting, like, to just, to just the whole plan, the cosmic plan that God had of eliminating evil and, and, and undoing what was done wrong in the garden, involving his son and whatnot, and just... You know, there are a million ways God could have done away with the devil, defeated yeah. the devil, defeated all evil. Uh, but the way he chose for it to go down, I would just love some divine insight and revelation into, like, why that was the plan. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, um, instead of just snapping his fingers or, you know, couldn't there have been a different way other than losing your son? 
yeah. kind of thing. So those would probably be like the the deepest things that I would I would really really love some insight on that from from God Himself. I like that. Yeah. Random question. I think yes. it's funny. Uh, some people might not, and for those of you, yeah, hold your ears. Uh, why why for so long were Christians so caught up with white Jesus? He's not white. I mean, we know he's not white. I'm white. I'm Irish. That area of the world, there's not people like me running around. Right. Right. right I mean, it's right. Just, it has more to do with just simple science of the fact that there's just more melatonin in their skin, or melatonin in their skin that allows color because <clears throat> of all the sun. Right. Right. Definitely. Yet, up until like 15 years ago, if you go into someone's house or you see a picture on the cross, right. He's white. Right. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> I mean, you know. Moses was white. Charlton Heston's just like. Seriously. Hey. I mean, Christianity becoming the, the major religion of the, the biggest world powers, you know, um, whom those folks were white, you know. Um, I think that had a lot to do with it. And, uh, you know, the, the powers that be created a God in their own image, you know. And um, I think. You know, in, in modern holiday, uh, Hollywood movies and whatnot, that's just how he's been portrayed, you know, and, yeah. and all the paintings even and you know, for a long time. So I think it's just the power structures. They were they were white men. And so they wanted a God in their image. And so it made sense that Jesus would also be a, you know, blue eyed, red headed <laughs> white man, you know, but it's good. Couldn't really be further from historically accurate. You yeah, know? could not. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, and all his buddies. It's just like, I don't know right. how we got these white guys over here, but they are changing things. I know, right? Where traditionally, historically, if a white guy rolls up onto your coast, he's bringing smallpox. Right. <laughs> stealing yeah. your gold. Yes. Right. Just yep. disseminating a culture. Right. Exactly. And then calling it his own. Right. Pretty much. Pretty much. Pretty much. That's <laughs> the, it. The exact opposite of and what so, God wants us to do. I know. And unfortunately, like, Jesus was hijacked and made a part of that colonialistic sort of process. And, um, yeah, a Middle Eastern looking Jesus just doesn't work in that model. No, it doesn't. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> it's true. It's it's sad. Sad but true. Right. Right. Sad but true. Uh, where do you, um, in the, uh, in going, we'll go on, on the taboos, right? Do you ever foresee yourself, because I've talked to a couple pastors about this, you're like, no thanks, not touching it. We do not, we are not doing a series, I'm not doing a sermon on Song of Solomon. I'm not Song of Solomon? Oh, I've done a series on the Come Song on. of Solomon, yes. I actually did. I did a series on this the Song is of Solomon. PG-13. Yeah, right. I love, actually, it was, it was so much fun. Um... I had a lot of fun with it. I would love to do it again, actually. It's, it's, yeah, well, see, that's refreshing. Like, you, you ask most pastors, they start sweating. Like, I don't uh, no, we got, man, people love that. We're, do, we're doing a relationship series in, in January, but no, it's, it's, it's fun. You get in there and it's, there's always a lot of laughs, you know, because, yeah, that's, that's kind of like the R-rated book of the Bible, right? Yeah, yeah. It's at least, least PG-13. At least PG-13. I mean, right. today it's, you know. But generally speaking, PG thirteen R yeah. R for the Bible, PG thirteen safe right. safe bet. Right. You're, not, you're not sitting down with your kids going, "All right, next book we're going to do the Song of Solomon." No, yeah. <laughs> In fact, I've heard of parents like 
restricting their kids from the Song of Solomon. But that, I mean... Yeah, to each their own. Yeah. Right, to each their own. Get, get after it. Uh, you parent the way you think you need to parent. And right. Your house, your kids, for sure. Right. You know, I, I have the thing where... You know, Harper's only, there's only one word she's not allowed to say outside of racially insensitive words, of course. Right. Or, uh, hate, hate speech. But she's just not allowed to say can't. If she says something else and messes up, that's probably my fault. Uh, so I just say, hey, this is not appropriate to say. Even yeah. if you use it in the right context. Right. You no, know, I'm still like, ah, sorry, shouldn't do that. Yeah. But the only ones she gets in trouble for is can't. I don't want my child, male or female, I, I don't like that word, and I don't want to hear it around the house. I can't yeah. do this. Like this morning, she's like, "Dad, I'm I'm not able." She's figured out workarounds. <laughs> very, very crafty. Like you know, right. Like like all good Christians do, right? They figure oh, out the yeah, workaround. The loophole. The loophole. The she's loophole. like, "I have not managed to reach that balloon. It is impossible." That's funny. And I, and I just look at her and go, "Well, I don't I don't know what to tell you. Uh, I know what I would do if I was having problems." Yeah. And she's like, "Hmm, I'll have to think about that." She stares at the balloon and stares, and she's trying all sorts of stuff. And finally, you could ask for help. That's right. That's what I need to do. <laughs> That's yes. what I need to do. Yes. Ask for help. Dad, will you help me? That's I will. good. I will help you. That's awesome. Here's your balloon. Thanks for not saying can't. She right. tells kids in school. She's like, not supposed to say that. You're going to get in trouble. Yeah. The teachers come and be like, why is your daughter getting in trouble? Oh, never mind. Yeah, can you just not have her get the other kids in school in trouble for that? No, like, sure. <laughs> because she's going. Nah, you know, Timmy said a potty word, and they're you know they go down the list. He's like, all I said was can't. Right. Like, there it is. Right. Right. Soap. I know. <laughs> I love that though. That's great. That's it's that's, fun. That's awesome. That's a great rule. It's a fun rule. It keeps uh, I, you know, it it also resets my mind every once in a while of where I'm like, eh, I can do it. Yeah. Or I mess up and someone else does it. Uh, and I was like, oh, I can't do that. I, I can. I mean, when I when I first started this podcast, I got this equipment, plugging in. And I'm like, oh, how do I do this? Oh, first one I recorded was mono. I recorded with Tim Kennedy, and it was mono. Oh, and my wow. buddy calls me. He's yeah. like, dude, your biggest interview. I'm sorry, it's mono. I just want to let you know. And I'm just so mad at myself. And then it's like, wait, I got a computer. Got the internet. There's this great thing called YouTube. And I'm like, oops, <laughs> I can fix this. Oops, recorded in Audacity Mono, need stereo. And they're like, here's what you do, right? Knucklehead. And I was like, oh, it worked. And yeah. Like, How do I add music in? And my buddy writes me a theme song. What do I do? Oh man, I can't do this. It's like, no. Once again, there's answers out there. Right. It may not be easy. Yeah. Uh, uh, Doing the files right for Apple and all that other garbage. Not fun, but okay. But it gets there. It gets done. But it's uh, if it stops her from doing it and gives her ways to navigate to find the way, I you know I, I can learn from it as well. That's for sure. I, I wonder. Awesome. I wonder in all of that what we don't. What in what do you think in the Bible that we read that we you know like me telling my kid can't and then me using can't right or using an excuse not to do something it's too hard i'm too old so the right. person can do it what do you think is is a, is a big one in in the bible where christians read it and they're like that's right jimmy hmm? see that yeah it's in the bible yeah do and then they turn around like oh, i i'm old i don't you know that's right the, it's not right it's for the right. kids yeah i mean i think um you know love others 
um, at, or treat others as you would be treated, right? Ultimately, the golden rule. It's yeah. easy for us to tell our children to do that, right? When they're angry at their sibling or they're angry at a kid at school or, or yep. whatever the case may be. But then when we're at work and a colleague, you know, slights us or disrespects us or you know maybe tries to shed our reputation in a negative light mm -hmm. right then all of a sudden it's a little more difficult to follow the golden rule right yeah uh, or somebody cuts us off in traffic or you know whatever the case may be and yep. i think that that that's that's definitely up there is one of them i think so i i was talking to a friend the other day and i said i don't know why we teach our kids to share we should teach our kids to be tolerant and we should teach our kids to uh be uh, honest in, and maybe give boundaries in how other kids can play with their toys. I said, well, right. we don't share as adults. What are you talking about? He said, if I grab your keys and walk out and take your truck and your wife stops you and says, <laughs> share. <laughs> if I grab right. your cell phone and just start yeah. and someone grabs it, share. <laughs> right. Grab your sunglasses yeah. right up the table, just walk out with them. What are right. you doing? I'm going outside. Uh, those are my sunglasses. Right. Share. Yeah. No. Yeah. It doesn't work. Right. It doesn't it's work. It's called theft. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Well, for kids, yeah. it's share. It's sharing. Right. Yeah. It's interesting. This, this scene <laughs> of the movie, uh, I forget who told me this, but I, I love this, uh, this analogy that you know, they said when, when you're the, the most beautiful part about being on top of Mount Everest is you can see the curvature of the earth, the highest point on planet earth. And it's amazing what you can see and the difficulty to get to the highest point. And they said the problem is that when you're at the highest point of the highest point to see everything, to reach what you believe is perfection, what's one thing that's not up there? Growth. It's not going any higher and there's nothing around it growing. In fact, everything at the highest point is dead. Right. However, also at the lowest points of the earth, where we live in the Amazon, it can be so dense that light doesn't even penetrate to the soil. Right. And it's so dark that you can't even see outside of the growth. And that sometimes we find ourselves in the Amazon, and sometimes we find ourselves on Everest, but if we're truly listening to ourselves and relationship with God, listening to God, relationship with a wife, listening to a wife, vice versa, uh, you find yourself in the plains. Growth around you, manageable, but always challenging you, never a straight path, but not these aggressive highs and lows. Mm. That'll preach right there, man. That'll, <laughs> that'll preach. That will preach. That's good stuff, man. It's just, true. <laughs> So Jim has got the prayer. Do you feel like this sometimes with prayer requests? <laughs> Do you? There are there are times there are there are times definitely a little bit like that, but where it's just yeah. But I mean, and not not saying that, that but more of 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 the uh, of the idea that it is. It's not. Oh my gosh, all these prayer requests. It's more like God. What are you doing? Look at all these prayer requests. I know. I know. Right. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> Um, and sometimes in uh, ministry life, when it rains, it pours, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's, it's like things can be great for like a couple of weeks, sometimes even a couple of months. And then just like out of nowhere, bam, you know, um, all of a sudden there are a ton of needs and major needs or injuries or illnesses or deaths in some cases. Yeah. Um, and I guess that's why the Bible kind of says there's a season for everything, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so there are definitely times where it feels that way, but, um, 
Yeah, luckily I'm not God like Bruce Almighty was, right? So I don't, all, all I have to do is offer the request to God. He actually had the responsibility of answering them with yes. wisdom, right? And so it says yes to all. Yes to all. Yes to all. Which is just, like, there you go. I got it. Yes, we're good. And, that, and that's also the chaos, right? Yeah. It's, it's the chaos of, of not understanding the decision that you make impacts other people and other decisions in other ways. Right. Absolutely. So yeah. There is a, a, a ripple effect, if you will. And I guess that goes back to the higher point. Now I'm sure there's someone listening who has had cancer or death in the family, untimely, whatever that may be. What? And they're like, really? Shut your mouth. Yeah. And once right. again, I don't, I mean, fun podcast and I, I look at those and, and listen I I don't struggle well with little hiccups in my life sometimes so I can't imagine the big ones and right. not understanding why prayer is an answer or why it doesn't happen or why God doesn't say yes to all of those yeah right or, or, or what that looks like um, but that you know uh, what do you in those untimely things how do you comfort someone or where where does that comfort lie and you know, let's say they do everything right. Like they're just, yeah. they're paying their tithe. They're going to church. They're, they're modeling their life and their life is modeled at church. That way there's, there's just that, that real full circle. Right. And the wheels just keep popping uh, off. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I find in those situations, the best thing to say is sometimes nothing or just, I love, I, I love you. I'm here with you. I'm beside you. This is painful. This hurts. Um, we're with you, and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna walk with you through it the entire way. Um, I don't find most of the time that platitudes are very helpful in those moments really? of crisis. Yeah, just, <laughs> I'm just shocked. Uh, you know, God just wanted another angel in heaven, and that's why your son died of cancer. You know, I mean, I think that that's horrible. I think yeah. those, and well-meaning, I think for the most part, when those answers are offered, it comes from a place of just well-meaning people that really do want to comfort folks in times of tragedy or hurt or despair. But really, those answers just don't um, do any good. When my sister died of a heroin overdose, um, I remember just being absolutely devastated. And the people in my community handled it so well because they were just there with me. And um, I just remember their love and their support and them being there right beside me. Um, but nobody was like, oh, you know, it's just God's will that your sister would die of a heroin overdose, and we just need to understand that his ways are higher than our ways. I mean, that that answer isn't helpful, and that's not even true. Like, you're telling me yeah. that God wanted my sister to die of a heroin overdose? Like, what? Yeah. That makes absolutely no sense, you know? And um, yet, in those moments, I think sometimes we feel uncomfortable, and we feel like something has to be said. And so dumb things like that come out of our mouths when really yeah. all we need to do is just be present, be there uh, with people walking through difficult times because um, that's what's needed in times of devastation and yeah. grief. No, I, I agree. I, one of the things that, you know, in the, in the world of platitudes that always frustrated me was I'd see those <clears throat> bumper stickers that say, <laughs> I'm not perfect, but I'm forgiven. 
Right. Uh, you might want to read that book again. Jesus right. died for us all. Right. You, know, you said it the other day. I was really, I was, I got goosebumps when you were in church. And you're like, hey, man, he's here for the Muslims. He's here for the gays. He's here he, for us all. Did I leave anyone out? Right. Right. He loves you all. Right. Right. And it's right. Like, you know, but you've got yeah. these people in the 80s driving around just cutting you off. Sorry, I'm forgiven. Right. Right. Don't you exactly. wish you were? Yeah. <laughs> right. But I wish I was. You jerk. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I don't want to be part of your club, whatever yeah. it is. It's ugly. I don't want to be part of that. <laughs> and I just imagine, you know, as, as, as Bill Morris said about, uh, <sighs> uh, for the, that, uh, the, church that pickets the Westboro Baptist Church that pickets just everything and everyone right right yeah, yeah. and he just he's like I just imagine God's looking down going you're on my team I know right you're on my team how did we get this guy <laughs> right how did we get these guys no 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 we need a redraft <laughs> yeah, I just you know for sure read the playbook okay I know just, I know a little effort Seriously, he keeps scoring the ball in the uh, other hoop yeah but yeah. I, you know one of the things that I've uh, Another topic, if you haven't preached on it. Yeah. Jesus is the inventor of the bromance. He's the creator of the bromance. Okay. I mean, he's got his disciples going around. He's saying, I love you to them. He's yeah. lifting them up. He's having them lift each other up. Yeah. Dude, he's the creator of the bromance. I mean, he, you know, yeah, I guess. I mean, well, you could even say David David had Jonathan. They were pretty tight. They're pretty tight, but you know, then David destroys the bromance with with, with <laughs> other shenanigans. That's true. That's <laughs> true. Yeah, that's no. You got. You're right about that. <laughs> David did some good bromance things, and then he got kicked out of the club. True. Yeah. True. Hey, bro. No, <laughs> I don't care about your type. No. <laughs> right. You know, it's uh. Yeah. What is uh? What's your favorite wacky Bible story? Like my, mine is the one about the kids who make fun of the bald guy and then, you know, two, by the way, two female bears, not just two bears, two female yeah, bears come yeah. down and eat, depending on your version, 36 or 47 kids. Yeah. First of all, I call that, I just call that Darwinism. Okay. If, if two kids get eaten by a bear and the other 34 to 45 are hanging out going, I wonder what's going to happen next. You deserve to get eaten by a bear. Right. Okay. Right, just right. Yeah. And how get hungry are those? Bears? How big are the bears back then that they can eat forty-seven kids? Seriously. And a valuable <laughs> lesson to not tease. Okay. Right. So, but also, to your point earlier, super violent. Yeah. Right. Super like. Yeah. You yeah. have to kill forty-seven kids to not make fun of bald people. Right. Seems yeah. excessive. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. It's got the full paradox for me. It's got the right. full it's thing. It's got going. it all. It's yeah. got it all. Gee, that's that's a tough one. Um, you know, I would say, I mean, I've always been the the whole Samson story has always in, you know been really interesting to me. You know, the the pulling the the jawbone off of a donkey and like killing a thousand men with it. I mean, that's just you know, if you say favorite kind of wacky story, that's the first one that really comes to my mind. Yeah. Just, Imagining him slaying a thousand men with the jawbone of an ass, mm -hmm. you know, like that's just. Oh, I thought. I mean, that has the makings of a Hollywood movie all over it. Like, it does. I would love to see that visually. I uh, I, I have <laughs> dreams. I was talking to Max about this. <clears throat> I have dreams of hitting a game winner on you and saying something like, "With the job out of an ass." Right. Yeah. There we go. There we go. <laughs> Max is like, how do you not have Bible one-liners when you score against his team? <laughs> We're on the same team a lot. So he's like, how does this not exist? I go, you'd be surprised. So I sit down next to a church and I pull up 
I look and it's like Bible verses for sports. There's like 20 websites at least dedicated to this. Really? Oh, it's hilarious. That's they're just funny. and they're pulling stuff out of nowhere. I uh, I made a terrible joke. I was in oh, first with my with my wife. Uh, we're uh, I don't even think we're engaged yet. I'm just going out to Kentucky to meet the family. Yeah. And I uh, I said, you know, um, you know who the most flexible man in in the Bible is? Like, you know, they're very religious family. Very very strict. You know, they drink soda pop. No, yeah. Uh, no booze. No nothing. And, right. Uh, and they're like, no, most flexible man in the Bible. I'm like, yeah, most flexible man in the Bible. By the way, I just got done telling them a joke. That round hay bales were illegal because quack cows don't get a good square meal. So they should right. know where this is coming from, right? <laughs> yeah. just, but they're still serious. They're like, yeah, no, yeah. No. Uh, do tell. I've read the Bible a couple times, Jason, and I didn't read anything about flexibility. Right. And I said, oh, it was Jonah. Jonas. He tied his ass to a tree and walked three miles. <laughs> they just great. got up from the table and walked away. They didn't even... End of conversation. Even, just... End of conversation. Didn't even look me in the eye. That's and, funny. Uh, Chris just looks at me and she's like, so now we don't make Bible jokes. That's hilarious. We don't make Bible jokes. There's two really good Bible jokes you can always make. One, there's that. And in Bible trivia... One out of three cards is Deuteronomy. That's just the answer, okay? Because it's, it's such a confusing book. So it's like, you know, whatever else you want to say, every third card, just say Deuteronomy. You're going right. to be ahead, all right? Yes. You're, you're going to get the color. That's where all the confusing stuff is. That's yeah. where all the confusing stuff is. Yeah. I always like the Bible joke, who's the shortest person in the Bible? Oh, who's that? Well, many people think it's Nehemiah. But that's not it's not actually Nehemiah. It's uh Peter because he fell asleep on his watch. Ah yeah, very so, nice. Yeah, that's that one's classic right there. That's that like, is classic. Yeah, so very nice. I remember that Do one. you uh I've I've made the argument to many a people, uh especially around at the most inappropriate time of, of, of Easter, that uh that of all the disciples the, the one that was um, that was the most dedicated to Christ, if you will, the one that that really probably suffered and sacrificed the most, was not any of our original twelve that we so celebrate, but it's the man okay. who many people believe turned his back on Christ and, and and got paid to to turn him into the Romans. Okay, and and my argument is always is that you know Judas didn't. He, first of all, he didn't take the silver, right, or the, whatever. He threw it to the ground and ran away. But also, if he doesn't do that, then it doesn't come to fruition. And the argument that, that I've read that's been made is that, and in the, the book of, the apocryphal book of Judas, is that uh -huh. Christ asked him to. So he did it. Huh. And if he did, is that not the greatest sacrifice? That you know you're going down in history has your name. It's like Hitler's mustache, right? He's ruined right. that mustache forever, right? right? You don't name your kid Judas. I mean, that might be the longest track record of something getting wrecked over one action. There's not right. at, at no time in history are you naming your kid Judas. Ruined name, right? Definitely for thousands of years. Yeah, but could it be improperly ruined? Because does it happen if Judas doesn't do that? Fun questions from Jason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, the Old Testament did prophesy that he would be betrayed. Um, and Judas definitely played a big role yeah. in the whole, in that prophecy being played out. 
I know that it certainly tradition does not look favorably, and neither does Scripture upon Judas. Mm-hmm. Um, but the points you raise are interesting points. You know, I mean, ultimately, he did betray Jesus um, for for silver. But yeah, the the question remains there. You know, like I mean, definitely, you definitely have to say that he played a big role yeah. in the whole process. There's yeah. no doubt about that. And I would say probably the. In, in, in all of this, and I won't say this till, till the end, I'll say it now. Is yeah. I have some other random things to say. But um, if these are your sticking points in life for believing or not believing the Bible, you've got the wrong sticking points. Yeah. Okay. Right. Like, I think these are fun conversations. And yeah, if you yeah, get yeah. offended by my fun conversation, right. that's one thing. Right. But if your sticking point in believing that, that Christ died is that Judas is just the worst guy ever, and that's right. why that name's been ruined. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No one's no one's dressing up as as Hitler for Halloween, and no one's dressing up as <laughs> Judas for Halloween. Absolutely right? Absolutely not. Just, you're they're like, That's why right. can't you can't do it? Like, you're yeah. not going to a church function on Halloween. Who are you, Judas? Judas. Yeah. Yeah. It's not going to happen. Not going to happen. No. So don't make these your flagpoles. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. That's well said. <laughs> Have fun with them. Embrace them. Yes. Ask the questions. Go do your own research. Study. Have fun. Um, Exactly. Bring it up if you want to. I would would recommend bringing it up in in the right environment with the right people. Yeah. To get off on this, right? I I always thought it was fun to to poke the bear. Yeah. Right. You get the people and I... Why are you uh, Why are you uh, protesting this abortion clinic? What do you mean? How much does that sign cost? How much is it your time worth? Like, wouldn't you just rent this building right next to it with blankets and and maybe some hot cocoa and and some counselors and ask these ask these women why they're doing it? What What do they need? Yeah. Like, why right. Why aren't we under, Why are we telling them they're going to go to hell versus understanding where they're at? Because right now they might not. They might believe they're in hell. Right. So is the protest worth it to put your flagpole there? Or going back to, you know, love the neighbor as yourself. Right. Or is it the harder thing of someone doing something and even then they still might do it? Right. Are you still going to love them? Are you going to love them pre and post? Are you going to love them through it? Get them to the one inch yard line where I'm sure you've been a million times. Get yeah. them right there. They're like, nah. <laughs> yep. And you're still like, come here. Like, what do you mean come here? I'll give you a hug. I just told you no. That's fine. Right. No, that's great, man. That's it right there. That's it right there. That's that's the attitude that I would love for to have a church full of people that have that kind of an attitude. That's exactly that's it, man. That's it. It's the it's the tough one. I uh, it's 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 the hard one and, and one that I struggle with. Whether it's professionally, uh, I mean, I, I sit down and I'm, I'm working with this group and like, oh, you didn't do this. You didn't do this. I'm like. Hold on, you didn't read the latest study on hashtags and why you don't want to hashtag this one, but you want to do this. You only want to do two on Facebook. You want to do this many, you know, you got to understand. But I'm hired to do the job, so I don't really feel like I should have to walk them through why I'm doing it. Just have a little faith. Right. At the same time, you sometimes got to walk people through, especially when they're new or anything. You know, you got to play that balance. Right. And those are things that I, I mean, I say because I struggle with it, whether it's with faith or whether it's with working with people. I'm like, you don't... Uh, yeah, my, my picture wasn't up on this thing, and we, we designed this whole picture. Why not? And I said, oh, this is a picture of this. Well, that's what we're giving away, and we're going to go to it so fast, and the next picture is going to be your happy face with the product that says happy holidays. It's be like, right. look, we did this in 30 minutes. You guys are amazing. Look how happy he looks now because he's holding the thing he's going to give you. Yeah. He's like, oh, well, I wish I would have known that. And I said, I don't have time to explain it to you. 
Right. <laughs> I know. Yeah. But, but at the same time, I should. Right. And and you know, um, I think I think that's in my mind. You know, like that's you know a, a good backbone for a church. And in my mind, the good backbone is is that, and then understanding that we're we're not going to be there. Like we're going to try for it, right? And we're all going to come up short at some point. Right. One, that's okay because we've got the support around us, A. And B, hey, you know what? Yeah, it's, listen, it's, uh, we're going to have fun going through this. I think that's, that's probably the last thing in my mind that I think about when I think, that I think you know, I think two things church gets a little bit wrong. One, tithing, what's making a celebration. Two, uh, I think they get wrong that everyone talks about, this is the road less traveled. This is the hard thing to do. This is the tough thing to do. Or it's the fun thing to do. Like if you look at those crazy ultra marathon runners, you're a man in shape. You do crazy classes. You see the people who maybe come to five or six, and then they slowly peter away. Right. But some people who enjoy the journey, right? Exactly. They yeah. like the pain. Right. I love being the last guy on the basketball court. I like the pain. Yeah. I don't mind waking up the next morning and barely being able to walk. I like the pain. <laughs> I do. Yeah. So. Why don't, why is it not preached to enjoy the journey, enjoy the pain? Why is it, why is it in, in one of your lines of work, it's enjoy the journey, enjoy the pain, it's worth it. You're going to get there. It means yeah. so much. But in another line of work, it seems, you know, so training and, and pushing people to their limits and making them better physically. Right. But spiritually making them better, it's like, this. hey, listen, I want to let you know, it's going to hurt. It's not going to be fun. Fact, you're not even gonna see the reward right away, which is what I call abs, right? Something yeah. I've never had that I've tried and I've done different things. Yeah. You can work out your back for a month and notice a difference. Right. You can do a hundred, you can do 200 sit-ups a night for a month. You're not gonna see abs. Right. So in the right. abs of the workout world, which is the spiritual world, where you're just, you're probably not gonna see it. There's very few that get it. The ones that do, good for you. You're going to get fat one day too. <laughs> but they don't. Yeah. So I'm just curious about that. Why, why is it, why is the tough journey? Why is it the struggle? Why is it painted in that ominous light versus, hey, you're not alone. This is, guess what? This, this is the fun part. Why? We're working it. Does that make sense? Yeah. A really long-winded thing. No, absolutely. It makes sense. I think, um, you know, I, I think initially the, uh, you know, the, the, hey, this is going to be painful, but it's going to be worth it approach is not always all that attractive. You know, it can be, but yeah. it's not always. And so I think that if there is a, a correction away from that to a more, you know, um, kind of... Um, grace-filled inviting sort of invitation if i think i understand your yeah. question properly um it would be because that is seemingly more appealing and more attractive maybe okay. uh but i i i think um a good like full gospel message should include both the grace and inviting and the challenging and rewarding you know, you know what i mean yeah, I mean, this is the Tough Mudder, but you've got a whole team with you. Right, and not exactly. not just here in Austin and yeah, Southwest yeah. Austin Thrive. All you around a, the world. you got a whole yeah, team with you. exactly. Yeah. And for the crazy Tough Mudder people, the people that do the 200 miles, you know, and just run that whole thing, you've got, it's just right. like in the workout world, right? you got the Cam Haynes will run 220 miles straight. Yeah, He'll just right. run it. 
those are our missionaries, right? Right. Those are the yeah. people. <laughs> yeah. You're like, right. huh? Yeah. I ran a mile today. I'm good, bro. Yeah, okay? right. Exactly. Yeah, right. Exactly. You know? So yeah. we have them all. Right. And it's what's difficult for some isn't for others and, and yeah. you know, across the board. For sure. But it's just, it seems like that, it seems like the team approach is gone and the individual approach of this is going to be hard. You're going to lose some friends. You're going to challenge some people. So right. Your, your old life's gone. Yeah. That's not fun, is it? You've got all those things where yeah. they're, just, they're setting you up for, ready? Versus, right. hey, you joined a, you joined a team uh, and we love you. We're here yeah. for you. We're going to do this together. Right. Let's start off with one push-up. Yeah. Let's walk one block. Yeah. The approach is everything. There's Banjo. There he is, folks. <laughs> Banjo, that's enough, buddy. There he is. Letting people know. Uh, oh, yeah. Someone's home. Someone is. Is, is what, what time we got here? We're um, we're at like 3.30. I mean, oh, well, no. It's 3.30. They're not going to be home until 4. I don't know. He saw. He heard something. with the In, in all of my babbling, you can hear him. He's in, he he's in the house, folks. <laughs> That's how aggressive he is at watching this. If you think I'm going to sleep with someone walking up to this house, <laughs> it ain't happening. All right? He knows it all, what's going on. It's funny. Sees it and smells it. You know, maybe that's, you know, maybe that's the good Lord saying, all right, you guys, you got serious enough. Banjo's, Banjo's going to break it up. We got the point, Jason. All right? If Scott's not going to cut you off, Banjo's going to cut you off. We get it. It's that's a team. Good. That's good. That's good. <laughs> is, uh, you know, um, in, in in closing here, the movie's about to, about to, to, to wrap up as as, yeah. as the uh, the weight of, of the world is is off Jim Carrey's shoulders and he's back to kind of where he was before he took God's responsibilities and he's he's no no better uh, he's he's no worse he might be you know better in in, in some ways as, as a person and understanding weight and responsibility um, right in this and we'll just we'll keep it topical in, in this coming into the new year which is when this will come out. Uh, what do you uh what do you want to leave with people that you know or whatever's on on your heart in this you know in this I mean I'm, one of our friends Jeff Jones new friends right yeah he's like hey I found your podcast I'm like don't listen he's like why <laughs> I said well sometimes I'm cracking beers and I and I and I curse and 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 sometimes I don't and I don't want you to needle through but it's for sure not safe for kids and then you're brave enough to come on here and, be, and just for be like sure. hey man like no we'll talk about this this will be fun so I don't know what are your what are your parting thoughts on this I guess I'd say. On the podcast itself, or just it's 2019, the podcast, whatever you want. You're just you're you're a microphone. Yeah, I would say you know um, one thing that the Lord has really been putting on my heart is just you know I, I've noticed more now than ever a divisiveness within the world and our culture and in our country, and uh, I just I feel I have a lot of hope that people, specifically people in churches who are united uh, and filled with the Holy Spirit can be a force to bring unity in the world that we live in. And, and, and I guess that's one thing that I want my life to be about is just about bringing people together, not, not pushing people apart. Uh, being a part of the solution, not the problem, uh, and uh, bringing people together, making peace instead of waging war. You know, that's kind of that's one that's one thing that's really on my heart for this upcoming year is just to be a person of peace 
and to be a person who brings groups together and doesn't drive groups apart. And um, that can be ideological groups, uh, political groups, whatever the case may be, but to be an agent of peace instead of division and um, disunity, because that's what I see in our world a lot today. And um, I really think that the church has a role in, in, in making peace and bringing groups together. So I'm really hopeful that this can be a year where we make progress in that. I like that. I would, uh, you know, I, I'd say, uh, you know, 2019 coming up, um, one of the things that I look at is, is more of, you know, the, and it gets, it goes back to that, my point earlier, uh, you know, these are your flagpole points. You're missing the boat. You know, uh, there's a lot of opportunity around us, a lot mm. of opportunity around us to agree on things. There's a lot. Right. Focus a little more on, on the things, on the 90% of the things we agree on yeah, so that we exactly. can manage the 10% we don't agree on. Right. Because when, when you come in and you start with the disagreement, right. you know, I, I, it, instead of the what, what you do agree on, you're, you're setting yourself up and you're setting the, the opportunity up of, of, a, of a wonderful conversation and learning from one another. You're setting it back. Because you know, at That's the end of the exactly day, right. yeah. someone's yelling, I see you know, a face on this dollar bill and that's what I see and you're wrong. And they're going, I see a building on this dollar bill. There's no face and you're wrong. You're, right. just looking at the, you're just looking at it differently. That's all you're doing. Exactly. So focus on all the cool parts that you agree on, the matching numbers, the right. color, yes. the texture, the promise of what it can do, right. the opportunity it provides you. And then through that, you can see where they see the face and where, where they see the building. And through that, you can find out that even in your greatest disagreements, because your best friends are the ones that challenge you. Your best friends are the ones that right. make you think things differently. Through all of that, then you can see those things and, and, you, and you can grow and you can be a little bit better of a person in the fact that you've got the patience to listen to someone else versus the arrogance or, or eagerness to make sure that, that your point's across because you want to change their mind. Maybe we don't change minds, but more importantly, we understand where people are coming from. Yeah, that's, that's so good, man. And I, I don't think it matters what your religion is, what your background is. We can all agree that, you know, living our lives that based in love and mercy and compassion and, you know, kindness and generosity, we can agree upon those things. Yeah. You know, even if we don't, even if everyone doesn't agree on who Jesus was and what he did and all of that, we can we can all agree that the world is a better place when people live from a place of love and mercy and compassion and, you know, Absolutely. focus on what we have in common. Go from there. Well, hey, man, thanks for doing this. I know yeah, you're busy. dude, for sure. I'm glad. I'm glad uh, well, this was a lot of fun. Now, for all of you uh, diehard listeners out there, it is now your favorite time of the podcast. <laughs> That's right. Now you get to hear my little girl sing about the first time she took a poop by herself. Enjoy.